0: Welcome back to another coffee-inducing episode of DSLR Film New Podcast, where I have an entire thermos ready to go. It is about 5.30 in the morning my time. I got up at 4 to work on show notes and talk to Mitch this fine morning. Sir, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Planet 5D. I still can't
1: get my thinking sound effects to work right. They work sometimes when I reboot, and sometimes they don't. So, sorry about that.
0: No, that's okay. Oh, I was my. having all kinds of issues this morning. I unplugged some USB cables to cable manage a little bit, and uh, things stopped working. <laughs> Although I will say, my desk is still not cable managed, as you can no, see look here. At that that Holy is a mess. Cow. So, yeah, but uh, you can see through
1: it, which makes it all the more interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the last time that glass has been cleaned. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> oh. You'll also notice uh, my face is nice and baby smooth. Um, I was tasked with filming some asbestos abatement videos, so I had to wear abatement, which is a respirator, in order to film those. Uh, You notice I kept this full face, guys. That's a secret. You can tuck your goatee into your mask for filming and uh, also (laughs) uncomfortable to shoot in something like that for three or four hours. You wouldn't believe how much those respirators will wear you out. Just like working in them all day, I feel bad for the folks that actually have to do the real work on that. It's awful, yeah, I can't
1: imagine uh, So you look like one of those guys from the movies from the forties with do you have to wear is it does it cover your eyes or is it just your
0: mouth? it's and full no. face, so it actually goes it's the seal happens all the way around your face order, and all the way order, down to your order. neck, and uh so it's um the, cart- the I, I had to go through a class to wear it, and I don't even remember the, the <laughs> cartridges. But they're a special type of cartridge that uh, filters out like asbestos and lead and other particulates in order to protect your lungs. And then once you go through the class, you can wear it. And then I can wear it to film the instructor talk about <laughs> wearing, wearing it. it. <laughs> oh, it's like sort of ironic. And then they, you know, they spray water on it and they peel little bits and pieces off. Uh, all of those things are carcinogens and uh, cause mesothelioma and some other horrible things so yeah you're an industrial worker you know make sure to wear your safety ppe uh what about you mitch what have you been up to man working my tail off trying to prepare
1: for this NAV thing and i think i've said half a dozen times on this show recently that NAV is in three weeks dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's really in three weeks finally i keep i keep looking at the calendar and going i said like Four weeks ago that NAB was in three weeks, and it's not – it wasn't then, and it's it's finally gotten to the point where it actually sort of is, like, in three weeks, so – I can say that now, but of course, what are we doing at NAV together and with a whole bunch of other people?
0: Oh, of course. Don't forget the live blog that is contributed to by many, many folks that will show up on DSLRfilmnoob.com as well as Planet Mitch's website, uh, Planet5D.com, and uh, many other places as well, I believe. Mitch, this is getting shared across the internet. Tell me more.
1: It's just a fun little tool. Uh, We will have quite a few reporters. I still don't know who. And and we didn't check my mouth before we started to see if it was working right. (laughs) It's obviously not working very well today. Uh, But we'll have lots of show floor reporters, including DJ and Craig from Canon Rumors and Barry Anderson and a whole bunch of other people that are volunteering to share what they're seeing out on the show floor. So it will be a continuous stream of News and information, and pictures, and links to other websites that are posting NAB news. So it's the true one stop shop for all of your NAB
0: critical, detailed, live news. Well, I think on that note, Mitch, it is probably time for the news. Time for the news. Stop for the news. Time for the news. First up, a camera that everybody is probably excited about, didn't know was coming, and now is really excited <laughs> about five thousand for five thousand. Uh, that's five k footage for five thousand dollars. The Kenny, or Kinfinity. Uh, these guys have been around for a while, actually releasing. Uh, Kind of unique, interesting cameras with capabilities similar to that of some of the higher-end cameras. The price on this is really the grabber here. Uh, This camera is capable of recording uh, Kenny RAW, which is uh, their flavor of a RAW format, as well as ProRes. And it is priced at $5,000. Now, Mitch, you've seen this camera. I've seen this camera. It's called the Terra, and it will be released, I believe, next month. Uh, What do you think about this guy? Is this... uh, this gonna fall in line with like the FS5, the Red Raven, and some of these other cameras that are already out on the market.
1: I think it's very interesting because if you talk to some of the filmmakers who really are into camera gear, they know about this camera, right? Or the the Infinity Kit.
0: Yeah, Infinity, yeah, Kenny fin- did, fin- I say, fin- did I say
1: my tongue was going to work today or not? No. Uh, so. They're out of China. Uh, and they're, you know, like every NAB, there's little rumblings. If you talk to people, well, yeah, you ought to go over to the Confinity and see their new stuff. And uh, I go, okay, they don't even have a booth. Uh, so where do I go? Uh, it's, but so, but they have a kind of like an underground or under.
0: <laughs> They've got some really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they did actually have a booth uh, last NAB I attended. It was just that it was so well hidden that you could almost not find it. Uh, It's buried in the back, and they were lonely sitting there by themselves. And because of that, (laughs) I was able to just take lenses out and play around with the cameras that they had there for display. And, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, you want to take it around for a second? And they'd, like, hand it to me, and I'd walk around the show floor and hand it back to them. It was really an interesting experience. The thing about uh, this Chinese company is that they kind of are listening to the market... And then throwing every feature possible at the wall, sort of a Blackmagic-esque uh, approach to their camera design. But yeah. they're doing it a little bit more nimbly, and they're addressing things a little bit faster than Blackmagic because they're a very, very small development team. Now, it is a super 35 millimeter sensor. Uh, there is an option for global shutter. There's a 6K version of this. Uh, it's mobilized similar to the RED design where you can add different packs, uh, monitors, and so on in order to uh, build it up or make it as small as possible and add more features or less features. And you can top this thing out at twelve or $13,000 if you really get crazy with uh, batteries, monitors, XLR inputs, and so on. But a base price like this, I mean, that's attractive to... At least some people, it's not my cup of tea personally, Mitch, but yeah. you've talked to a lot of people. Uh, you talk to more people than I do because I'm kind of a hermit. Uh, <laughs> have you been hearing any other buzz about this uh, Terra camera? I haven't heard
1: anything. I mean, this just popped on, on the news. Uh, and by the way, I just did search and they do have a booth this year. Uh, and it's it's kind of like on the main hallway. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, they're moving up in the world. So... That's good to see. I mean, one of the big complaints has always been, hey, they make some great products, but nobody never knows about them. Uh, You know, it's kind of a small cult-like following. Cult was probably the word I was looking for earlier.
0: One of the cool things, though, is you're not uh, locked in with uh, basically proprietary media or anything of that nature. Uh, These guys just use standard solid-state disks in order to record, and the features on these are very robust. So yeah. You know it's up for pre-order right now. I I believe it's uh, intended to ship in the next month or two. So keep an eye out for that if you really are in the market for the camera. The only issue I have with this current version is is previously they've kind of uh, jumped ahead of the pack by price and by release date. Uh, this one is coming into an already fairly crowded market, but offering a bit more value. Uh, do, you, do you think that'll that'll uh, eat up the sales of some of these other cameras out there
1: i i would love to see an actual pie chart of market share for
0: these guys um yeah, i wonder it, how much the ursa mini uh in the uh you know 4.6k camera is is eating up the market right now uh <laughs> considering it took them an so year. long to get that out
1: uh i suspect that there are Quite a few people. I mean, it's it's like the Tesla, right? The new Tesla was announced yesterday. Did you see that? I did not. Oh, you know, I'm I'm switching topics quickly here, but uh, the new Tesla was announced, and it's supposed to be priced for everybody to purchase. And it's pr- only a mere thirty five thousand dollars. Thirty five thousand. Yeah, that's that's approachable by
0: who? <laughs> I, yeah, I could get myself a sweet Honda for less than that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, there, everybody's talking about Tesla, but I don't know. I guess people buy them, but. I think 35,000 would put it in the, and this is not a car podcast, by the way. No, I they, know. That would put it in the leasing uh, arena as a reasonable we'll price. Leasing. So, I mean, I anyway, suppose if you want to lease. Which is a bad deal. Don't do it. Don't lease cars. It's
1: economically not very smart. But, so here we're getting a lot of quote unquote 5K and 6K cameras coming on the market. Although. You know the the big rumor a couple of weeks ago was that uh, the next GH five was going to be five or six K. So I don't know, will we see that one anytime soon?
0: Well, I was actually uh, a fan of the podcast, uh, emailed in and let me know that the aspect ratio of the GH. Four or slash GH five in Micro Four Thirds would not allow for six K recording. Uh, it would allow for five K recording. So huh. I don't know. Uh, you know, the, it's it's a possibility. Um, something like that. I kind of slapped my forehead and I thought, man, I was I was being all uh, secretive and looking into the specs, and then I missed something simple and obvious like that. What a <laughs> what a dunce, uh, man! But uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm. I'm hoping we see something from a Panasonic this year besides firmware updates. And there was a recent firmware update. I think we discussed it on a previous show for the GH4 that it allowed their, you know, uh, after focus system and a few other things. But I don't know if they're going to hold much market if the firmware updates is all they have to offer this year. I I would like to see a camera that at least uh, upgrades a little bit on the GH4 simply because I'm so heavily invested in micro four third lenses. In that format in general. Um, I, I would be sad if I made that move and then am left behind for a couple years as Sony just beats the tar out of everything. Now, yeah, they do. Speaking of Sony, let's talk about this camera that Sony just announced, because uh, we need another camera again. Uh, this is the RX10 Mark III. Uh, and you probably are familiar with the RX10 line. They just recently released the RX10 Mark II, which is only maybe six months or a a year old at best. Uh, The difference between this camera and the RX10 Mark II is very minimal. The major key feature is the super zoom range. So we're talking a 24 to 600 millimeter F2.4 to F4 lens. Uh, That is ridiculous reach 24 to 600 24 to 600 mitch that is you say that right (laughs) yeah it's just like what do you what's going on here how how do they manage to do that and this camera itself uh, it doesn't look much different than the other rx cameras that have been available and it is sort of competing with the panasonic uh, fc 1000 which is another super zoom one inch sensor but that only had a reach of 400 millimeters now there's only. been a trend of, yeah, only, uh, of these really super Zoom uh, telephoto-esque uh, point-and-shoot cameras. Who's this for? Do you know? It's for mom and pop. You think so? It's, or do you think this oh, yeah. uh, maybe like animal shooters that are on the cheap?
1: <laughs> it's It's aimed at the moms and pops and the young people that, want to be able to have a quote-unquote dslr that they can carry around that has one lens that does everything they need it to do and it doesn't
0: cost them an arm and a leg 1500 dollars well okay that's an arm and leg i mean my leg that that's probably <laughs> at least a foot if not a leg <laughs> i i'm looking at the images over on dp review and they look pretty amazing it does look very impressive and it's interesting that uh, Sony continues to iterate on this. Uh, previous years, we've only seen uh, one-third-inch sensors with super zooms like this, and now one-inch sensors in this sort of format. Uh, the reach on this, though, I mean, look at how long that, that lens <laughs> element is. Uh, there is image stabilization internally on this particular bottle, uh, body, but, uh, man, I wonder how good that does at 600.000 millimeters equivalent yeah. wow yeah. uh if you're interested hey. the price on this is $1,500 uh the original uh 24 to 200 millimeter such a sultry small reach for the rx10 mark ii is down to a thousand dollars and of course the panasonic fc 1000 is right in the middle and at the lowest end of the price $799 if you want a 25 to 400 millimeter reach. Now, sorry, Mitch, I didn't mean to cut you off. What do you got, No,
1: I cut you off all the time, so that's no big deal. I have a question for you, though. This is kind of off topic, but that picture reminded me of it. I talked to a woman the other day that has, and I I don't see them that often, but she had a a push-pull zoom from Sigma that was, I think it was a 400 to 600. Do you ever get to use those push-pull zooms as opposed to the zoom that... Is a
0: twist. I haven't used one of those in years. Uh and the last one I used was you know some one of those brands that you never remember. It has the had the cool like spirals in the colors and it was an old manual focus lens. And yeah. the that's the last time I've actually used one in person, and I think that was on a, a Pentax K one thousand. So yeah. I mean that was probably I was I was fascinated by she was she was shooting Color Guard. Okay. which is
1: what my daughter does. And it's in a gymnasium and it's an F4 to 5.6 zoom. So it doesn't have a lot of low light capabilities. And I think, it, I don't remember it was, I think it was 200 to 400. No, it was 200 to 600. I think it was a
0: Sigma. I'll have to look it up. Was it a manual focus yeah. or an autofocus lens? It's an autofocus.
1: Wow. Um, and I was just fascinated because I, you know, I'm typically, you know, doing the arm twist, trying to zoom with my, 70 to 200 um and she was just back and forth changing her zoom range and I was I just I haven't seen that many of them so I didn't know whether they were that popular and I know you're the lens guy that has every bit of
0: information about every lens ever made not that one I'm going to okay. I'm going to have to look that up uh the only recent lens i can think of and it's not very recent like uh i believe 2002 the minolta uh i think it's a 400 to 200 and it's often referred to as the trash can yeah and the reason it's called the trash can is it's just A ginormous circle uh, that's, uh, you know, basically evenly spaced all the way across the diameter, never changes. So it looks like something, you know, you'd keep next to your sink to store your toothbrush in or something like that. And uh, that guy is discontinued, but you can adapt it with autofocus to a uh, Sony A-mount body. Uh, It just requires the little gear drive system in order to operate the focus because it doesn't have its own internal motor. But, that's like that's kind of got to obscure i didn't realize sigma made any push-pull zooms that were modern so i will be looking into that mitch that's very interesting um
1: yeah i i, I probably have to bump into her again this weekend hopefully
0: get some um, specs man get some specs
1: but she said it was a two thousand dollar lens um hmm and I've just found on Amazon the Sigma eighty to four hundred, but so I don't I don't remember exactly what the zoom range was. I was just so fascinated <laughs> by watching her do it. She calls her lens George, by the way. She, I what? thought it was funny. She she names all gives all of her name her lenses names, which you know, you and I have talked about naming and so anyway, it's just all right. Speaking about, so of lenses, is, yeah. let's
0: take a look at this one from Sony. And this is the Sony 50mm F1.8. Now, you probably remember something in that range before the Sony 55mm F1.8, which was a Zeiss lens that will set you back around $800 to $900. This is the first affordable Sony 50mm F1.8 lens, and this is going to set you back about $249. Now, that's roughly double the cost of both Canon and Nikon's offering, but... It is a Sony moving into the affordable and sort of uh, a decently priced prime market. Comparatively, they haven't really had anything under five or $600 before. Mitch, the Nifty 50 is always popular. <laughs> uh, do you think this is Sony kind of catering to that? And do you, do you think this will be all plasticky and so on like the other Nifty 50s?
1: Well, I certainly hope not. But in order to make lenses affordable, I think you have to kind of go that range. It doesn't look that much like plastic, but it's it, hard to tell. It from does both. have a metal
0: barrel, at least. Does it? Yes, yeah. So. Well, that's good. Uh, always
1: good to see low price lenses in affordable-ish ranges.
0: We'll have to see what it does. Looks good. Uh, The reason I bring this lens up is actually I have been adapting most of the time, and I'll cut to this camera here so you can see. This is one of the examples of my a7S Mark II with the uh, adapter on it, and it's fine for filmmaking, but for photography, uh, the adapters are just not that fast, and autofocus is awful. Uh, really? Yeah, who, who guessed that that would be the case? I mean, uh, it's pretty much the case across most Sony adapters. With the exception, I have seen some very good demo results of the FC-11 from Sigma with their prime lenses. So we'll have to wait and see if that's good. But what I do want is a couple of native primes for my F, or A7S so that I can shoot some stills now and again while I have the camera with me. I don't need major megapixels, so I have the A7S, which is like a 12-ish megapixel sensor. So it would just be nice to, you know, oh, I've got my uh, wife with me. I want to take a picture really quick. Or, you know, I've got a friend here. I want to take a picture really quick. As opposed to trying to deal with this adapter. Yes, obviously my phone. But (laughs) I don't know. When I have to pack the camera uh, to film something anyway, Mm -hmm. and I, I have... You know, you have a bag that's full of $8,000 worth of camera gear. and You can't take a freaking <laughs> picture. What kind, of, what kind of life am I living when that is the case? Well, you're living the filmmaker's life who ends up buying a lot of bodies,
1: which is why I've always loved the DSLRs, um, mirrorless, because you can do both. Although adapting lenses is a pain in the cuz
0: Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I love about the GH4, besides the easy-to-use menu and the controls and the flip-out screen, is that the lenses focus very, very fast. Uh, It's only good ISO 1600, but if I need to whip it out and take a stills image as well as film with it, it is very versatile. Sony, uh, you still have to clunk around a little bit with the menus and uh, turn some knobs in order to get it into photo mode from video (laughs) mode, which is frustrating. I am, however, excited about this Nifty 50. Uh, Will probably be purchasing it to throw into my collection. I also did pick up the Sony 28mm F2 lens, which is an interesting lens designed to have one of those uh, optical adapters screwed onto the front of it. Uh, Remember in the old days, Mitch? No. When... You would buy a video camera and then they would sell you for an extra hundred and fifty dollars this like uh lens barrel screw on uh, uh diopter type of deal that would uh, basically give you like point zero six X zoom or it would uh-huh. give you uh yeah. a fisheye. Well Sony has a modern lens, the F um, the 28-millimeter F2.0 that has a screw-on adapter built into it designed for both a 16-millimeter focal range and a 24 or 25 focal range. So you get, huh. you get this, and then you buy an extra piece of glass screwed onto the front. And I looked at it, and I was like, well, that's weird. And then I started checking into the pricing of those screw-on adapters. And did you know no. that those will work... The old ones, you can still find them in any size, shape, or form. And if your camera is capable of supporting one of those hanging off the front, they still work on modern cameras. Wow. You know some stuff, man. You're amazing. Everybody ought to pay attention to DJ because he knows his stuff. It got me thinking. I have um, have an old bag of 52-millimeter thread uh, wide-angle adapters that were for the HV-20 and HV-30 line from Canon way back in the day, like in 2001 or 2002. And those adapters will screw on to my Panasonic LX100. Wow. If it'll support it, because those things weigh like a half a pound. So um, I'm guessing I'm going to break something, but I'm going (laughs) to try it. I'm going to give it a try and see what happens.
1: Hey, have you ever seen any uh, Nikon F adapters to Sony e mount? Oh, that's a
0: great transition.
1: How Mitch. was that? Did I do well? Yeah, huh? except
0: I deleted that story. Out oh, of no, the show notes. <laughs> uh, what Mitch, Mitch was referring to is, and I, I took this out of the show notes because uh, the adapter has no pricing information yet. But uh, there is an adapter from Omite oh uh, if you keep an eye out for it. Uh, and it will allow you to adapt electronically to Nikon lenses. So <laughs> I might have to put that back into the show notes now <laughs> that it's been removed. But uh,
1: uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I pulled all these pages up a long time ago. And, and it's so I'm just paging through them as we go. And there it is. And I thought, what a segue. I'm going to move because you just talked all about. Never mind. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, Some mornings train wrecks, guys. (laughs) Some mornings train wrecks. All right. What we do have next in the show notes, though, it's actually a weird, weird weird-looking computer here. And uh, I want to mention, too, by the way, this is April 1st today. We are not uh, covering any stories in this particular section that are April Fool's (laughs) jokes. This is a real computer. Not making it up. Uh, This is the MSI Vortex. And if you're looking for a PC version of the Mac Pro Trash Can. Uh, You can get that in this Vortex only with uh, really incredible specs for about $3,999. Let's just go ahead and say $4,000. You can get dual uh, GTX 970 full-size graphics cards in a tiny box like this with uh, i7 processor, 64 gigs of RAM, and all kinds of other awesome bits. Now... Comparatively to a MacBook Pro, or excuse me, a Mac yeah. Pro, you yeah. are limited to much lower specs at a price very similar. Talking six gigs of RAM, uh, 3.5 gigahertz processor. Uh, yeah, not nearly as exciting as we're getting out of this vortex. Now, Mitch, is this enough to make your mouth water and make you move to a PC? <laughs> The hysterical I mean, laughter just tells me that that would be a crazy idea.
1: No, but I mean, it's it's all about the fact that the Mac Pro is circular and looks like a trash can. That's that's so much more appealing than this. And that's all that matters is what the look is of your computer. That's it.
0: This thing is very boxy. I mean, it, it's got LEDs everywhere. Uh, it does have a very similar cooling system where it brings – air up from the bottom and then through the system and out through the top, which is an interesting approach. The the main Uh thing I like about this is that um, they're actually allowing for GTX 970s in here. And uh, CUDA is still a pretty predominant player in terms... Oh, excuse me, 980s, not 970s. Uh, The nine seventies is the cheaper option. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, But the thing is, is CUDA with NVIDIA cards is is capable of uh, giving you some accelerated editing in both uh, Premiere Pro, uh, After Effects, and various other uh, editing suites. Uh, They are getting open CL into more systems, but it's kind of given these Mac Pros and the MacBooks a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of editing, at least in Premiere Pro and uh after effects do you think that's kind of moving professionals over to the pc again mitch it it just depends upon what your
1: base is and what the rest of your office is Uh, by the way i think you know we we throw around a lot of buzzwords what is cuda
0: Uh, It's simply an easy set of commands that allow you to access uh, mathematical operations inside of your GPU. Uh, So NVIDIA basically handed out a toolkit that says, here you go, guys, here's a really simple and easy way to do calculations for vectors, for example, or or any other sort of uh, application you'd need for graphics changes. And we're going to hand this to you guys so you can develop for it very simply. Uh, OpenCL is a development kit for everything else, and it basically is the same thing, except it wasn't spoon-fed to developers. So it was uh, uh, less uh, well, uh, well-received, and people didn't pick it up as, as much for uh, editing applications initially. Uh, now, with that said, Adobe has started to implement that a little bit more. And I'm, maybe I'm saying this wrong. Is it OpenCL or OpenGL? I always screw that up. GL, I think is yeah I've graphics. been saying C O yeah thank you yeah. so yeah. one of them yeah. is yeah. for uh, mobile devices and the other one is for graphics and then because they're so close I dink it up every single freaking time.
1: <laughs> ah, it's okay.
0: Uh, Good thing
1: you thought to ask though. But I just I you know I every now and then want to help out those people that are not quite up to speed because you get all excited about buzzwords and so do I. I don't get it's not just you. But every now I like to explain because it helps people understand what what you're talking about.
0: If you ever open up uh, Adobe Premiere and you're looking through your effects, you'll see a little symbol next to the effect that will tell you if there's an acceleration option available. Uh, it's also really good for rendering. Uh, if you're rendering stuff out, uh, it can improve rendering speeds by up to, I'd say, 10 times in my, my latest tests between CPU rendering and GPU rendering. So... Uh, if you have to get projects out fast man does a a nvidia graphics card (laughs) help a lot does it does it change i mean you just talked about the fact that there's
1: a little icon there does that mean you have to change settings in order to make that happen or is it just the fact that you have the card in your computer
0: Uh, in your preferences you can set up the ability to use uh, cuda for rendering or open gl for rendering so Either one, you do have to go select that. And uh, in Premiere, it's called the Mercury Playback Engine. Yeah, that uh, Once you turn that on, that'll give you graphics acceleration for both rendering and playback in your timeline. Uh, with After Effects, you do still have to dink around and make sure that your settings are correct. So if you are using a NVIDIA or ATI graphics card, uh, either one of those, you're going to want to check your settings to make sure that they are set up for that's, optimal rendering. That's a good tip. I'm glad I asked. Either way, I'm excited, mostly because I like having all the GPUs in my system. And I, I'm not going to buy this Vortex, uh, but I do rock several titans in my uh, editing bay simply because I can kick out footage that much faster. Uh, it, it's it's not worth the investment for everybody, but uh, a GTX 970 or 980 Uh, is not, I shouldn't say fairly close, it's within spitting distance of a Titan X. And if you can afford one of those, which they're really reasonable now, you can get a GTX 970 for maybe $340. Uh, It will really speed up your rendering if you're dealing with either CPU-only rendering or a very ancient uh, graphics card. So keep that in mind if you really need to get projects out fast in Premiere Pro. Does
1: that mean that you're you have multiple computers or CPUs that you're like creating a render farm
0: or is uh, for, it all in one box? For After Effects, I have six systems in a render farm set up that will dole up. You have a
1: computer sitting around?
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but for <laughs> basic editing in Premiere, I use my master system, which I'm actually on right now. And uh, I can go to my external camera. Uh, this guy... Is a huge tower, ginormous with all the hard drives, all the SSDs, and then an extra four by four terabyte storage space right here. And my new fancy laser printer. Uh, If you if you get excited about printers, that's a that's a thing. But uh, yeah, so (laughs) that's my upstairs system. And then downstairs, I just have uh, four headless boxes laying around and then i've also roped in my uh uh, computer underneath of my television for the render form so all those Ah, together are uh are what make things tick when i need to get stuff out fast
1: you're an awesome geek man you're a geek 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 geek
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, some of it, though, like in the winter, it's kind of nice. You go down, and it's like standing next to a fire. You can warm your hands up next to the render farm as it's cooking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Moving on down the line, let's talk about some batteries here, because this is something that has always frustrated me when you see these claims of some of the generic batteries capable somehow magically of outputting... Two or three times as much as the manufacturer OEM batteries. Now, are people actually, or battery manufacturers actually capable of making a more densely packed battery? Absolutely. Uh, Is that densely packed battery going to weigh more than the OEM battery? Most likely. Did they fill it up with lead? Could be, but the thing I'm getting at here is actually these dot zero o batteries, and this is a Sony battery, and this is the dot battery. This thing claims to have a 2200 milliamp hour output, and the Sony battery has a 100 or a 1080 milliamp hour output. This is double. It weighs about six grams, maybe five grams less than the Sony battery, and it lasts like 25 minutes. Ooh. So, you know, obviously those are uh, some stretches in terms of claims. And a couple of people asked me, well, is this false advertising? And not to dive too deep in the math, but I, w- I wanted to mention this for you guys when you see these numbers. the m- The milliamp hour rating for these batteries is basically draw over time. So what they set the end voltage to for the battery is how long it takes for that voltage to drop off. And if they set that voltage for the battery down below what your camera is actually capable of running on, you can increase that calculation out to some crazy number. So just because the battery says it's 2200 milliamp hours, it, it could supply that. But it's in voltage could be 2.3 volts and you can need maybe your camera needs five volts to run. So that number, it works. It's not false advertising but it's completely fictitious uh, for operating your camera in general. Uh, So if you see something that looks impossible in their claims, uh, it's probably impossible. Just just so you guys know. (laughs)
1: That's fascinating information, DJ. And again, I I, I never think about batteries the way you think about batteries. Of course, you use them a hell of a lot more than I do uh and, and it's critical once you start getting on set or getting out in the woods for example where you maybe don't have power absolutely to be able to uh i mean it, imagine getting out there and and having a customer and say well sorry i didn't i didn't understand that my battery was only going to last half the amount of time that they said it would and therefore uh, we got to stop shooting cuz i don't have power right? do you use generic batteries mitch i I have only purchased generic batteries once and that generic battery is sitting over there. And I, it's actually in the recycle pile because it's crap. It never worked, never holds a charge. Uh, And, and so I don't like throwing money away. I don't have a whole lot of money to throw away. So when I buy batteries, I buy the batteries made for the camera buy the manufacturer because i just i just don't trust other batteries
0: there i don't want to discourage anybody from buying generic batteries because there are a lot of good manufacturers out of there uh wasabi is not a sponsor of the podcast or anything else i do but they do make uh, very reliable batteries Uh, they are priced a little bit more than some of the generic batteries but far less than the oem batteries and they're usually chipped to work with your camera Uh, this is a wasabi battery i think it's about 14 bucks compared to what's the Canon price on a LP six, like $45, $69, $69, something crazy like that. So it it is affordable, but you also got to be careful. If you get one of the wacky off brands that you've never heard of before, and you put it in your camera, there are some known issues where the battery starts to fail and swells, it gets stuck inside of your battery compartment in your camera. So, you know, read the reviews, make sure you're cautious when you buy generic batteries. I have a ton of generic batteries, but I always like to point out, when you get some really blatant offender, uh, like this .01 uh, battery, and if you're looking for the Sony npfw 50 batteries out there on uh, Amazon or anywhere else, uh, you'll find hundreds of pages of them uh, from various places. So, uh, you know, vet the reviews, read a few things, make sure that the milliamp hour rating makes sense. If it's some wacky crazy high number, it's most likely no. not correct. So uh, that's great advice. Just want to put that out there. All right. And and just to clarify, I'm
1: wrong yet again. Uh-oh. Canon LPE six is currently thirty nine ninety five at
0: B and H. Okay, that's what I when you said sixty nine dollars, oh. I'm like, man, that's about twenty bucks more than I remember them being, but I was wrong. I admit it. I was wrong. Uh the other thing Yeah, before we move on to the battery stories, if you own some Canon cameras, uh, um, uh, the the 6D, Canon has installed so much protection to keep you from using generic batteries that Canon batteries don't work all the time in the camera. So they've made it very specific to the chip that's in there and reading the chip. And if your battery, your Canon, your official Canon battery is dusty it will give you that warning that's like, this is not an official Canon battery, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you have to like click through the menus or sometimes it'll just shut off on you. And I found that really frustrating. They fixed that in recent firmware updates, but I'm told that several of the Rebel line cameras uh, have this issue still ongoing. So the 60D, the 70D, and possibly the 80D. So keep that in mind if you're... You're huh. uh, looking for batteries and generic batteries in general as well. Uh, some of the newer chipping in those batteries doesn't necessarily work 100% with uh, some of that other stuff. So check your check your reviews. Damn, you know some stuff. And you say you never get out and never hear anything. Huh. I mean, I travel in very specific circles, so <laughs> I hear a lot about the stuff that I do, but, uh, you know... When someone's like, "How many Kenny Fla- or K- Infinity cameras have you seen in the market?" You know, I've seen zero. Zero. Yeah. Same with the Ursa. Uh, people are really excited about it, but I wonder how much of a hanger queen that camera is because <laughs> I have not seen it in person anywhere on any set. And I don't know. If, I mean, I know it exists. Or I think I know it exists. Uh, Maybe this is like all in my mind, but it's, it's not out there. It's not around. And so, you know, from my point of view, like it basically doesn't exist, but from other people's point of view, it's the best camera you've ever seen. Oh my God. Shooting on it tomorrow. So what do I know? Uh, Uh, You know, a lot of stuff, so don't put yourself down,
1: but it's, I mean, it's basically true. I mean, as much as we chit chat about some of these other cameras, uh Canon and Nikon are still and Sony are still the leaders in the market, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I take my GH4 out for shooting all the time alongside my A7S and people still come over and like, "Hey, well, what camera? What what do you got there? Is that a Is that a Canon <laughs> camera? Can you can I can I see that?" And then you show it to them and they're like, "Oh, wow." You know, and they play around with it and they're like, "This is great." And uh, you uh, you think because you're a uh, micro four thirds shooter that uh, the Micro Four Thirds has high penetration across the market, but no, uh, it doesn't. I mean, no. there are very specific people just like me shooting on GH4s all over the place. They're great cameras, do a good job, but a lot of people also like me have staples like the 5D Mark III that we've held on to for years and just yeah. continue to shoot on. And yeah. it, if you have something you like and you're happy with it, uh, oftentimes you will stick to that simply sure. because it's such a hard move to go from one brand to the other. Well,
1: and, and let's let's also talk about mirrorless, right? We, mirrorless, mirrorless, mirrorless. Everybody's talking about mirrorless, but it's still 10% of the market. It's, yeah, it's true.
0: Although you know, so, for filmmakers, I do see a ton of A7S and A7S Mark twos sure, in sure. the field. Uh, I know people that have two or three of them in their collection that they're shooting on all the time. Uh, so in the film side of things, at least, I think Sony has a real, really decent inroad compared to where Canon's at right now. Yeah. Uh, In terms of photography, though, uh, you almost never see, unless you're in, uh, let me back up. If you're in Singapore or Taiwan, (laughs) you'll Ah. see tons of Sony gear. But if you're in the United States, uh, you see very, very few photographers rocking an A7 line camera. Yep. Very true. And that's why I kept one uh, Canon camera for photography. (laughs) all right now oh yeah two that well i don't use man now you're calling me on it again i don't use my t2i for photography because it's not a photography tool okay sorry all right i I, we've gotten through most of the stories i got one more story to go and then we'll talk about a couple of goofy april fools things and then we'll get out of here so the one story and mitch threw this in and i kind of i was like what the heck is this Tell me about the five dollar lens, Mitch uh we lost the other
1: story huh. okay uh the five dollar lens i don't know anything about it you're you're the expert. I just uh thought it would be interesting to uh potentially talk about the fact that a five dollar lens is getting some market share or some discussion
0: now there I, it is. <laughs> okay. I found the story that Mitch was talking about, and I missed it because it got buried somewhere in the In the back of the show notes. But uh, as far as $5 lenses go, uh, if you go on eBay, guys, and I see videos like this all the time. Uh, There are a few people that put these out that are like, hey, watch me go buy a camera lens for $22.38. You know, and you can go on eBay and do so. And then the video is like, here's the lens. Look at this. Congratulations. Um, So if you go over to eBay and you start searching around, there are tons of old lenses from Olympus, uh, Val, uh, not Valtrex, that's the, what's the, uh, I don't know why I said that. Um, okay. Let's back away from that one. But there there are tons of lenses out there that are uh, available from all these different old manufacturers and, uh, you know, Russian companies, uh, all these Love places. All. And you yeah. can buy these lenses for like 20, 30 bucks. So, uh, that's been the case for years. It's going to continue to be the case. Uh, and in the minute someone announces a $5 lens, the price is going to go up to like $25 guys. So, you know, just, <laughs> just be aware of that. Um, if you find these, keep them to yourself, uh, maybe tell your close friends, because as soon as the news gets out that there is a lens for sale for cheap, uh, everybody will drive the price up. Uh, now <laughs> the next story here is Mitch's and this is a rental, Style, um, Netflix, sort of all-you-can-eat approach to camera gear. Tell me more about this, Mitch. Uh,
1: I found this just yesterday, so it's brand new to me. Uh, It's called Parachute, with no E on the end, parachute.co. And their concept is very much like Netflix originally was with sending out DVDs. With Netflix, you would get uh, three DVDs for... I've forgotten 10, 15 bucks a month, whatever it was. So, as you got a DVD, uh, you ship one back, then you could get another one, right? So it's if they're, depending upon how many you purchased at the or what your plan was at the time. You could do one DVD. So this is very much like that. Their their plan is they're brand new. They've just come out, so they don't have everything working. It's a it's sort of like a pre-sale, but the concept is for one hundred forty-nine dollars a month. <laughs> you can get an entire package sent to you. So let's say you wanted to fly a Phantom 4. So they would send you the entire package, whatever you needed, and you could keep it as long as you wanted. So if you wanted to keep it for three months, you could do that, excuse me, like you could with the old Netflix. Um, And I'm not sure exactly how they're putting their packages together, whether you will have a queue where you say, well, I would like to have, you know, a lens package, and maybe there's three or four in there, because uh, you can only have one package checked out per se at any one time, and then when you're done with it, you send it back. But for 149 dollars a month, I mean, let's say, let's say, for example, you wanted to rent a lens on my favorite Lens Pro to go, uh, and and that might cost you 150 dollars for five days. Yeah. including shipping back and forth. And here here you could get an entire package. You could get a Canon 5D Mark III and a lens. And again, it's still kind of fuzzy because they haven't clearly defined what you can get at any one time if there's kind of limits. But they say unlimited. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting concept. I'm really eager to see where it goes. I did go ahead and sign up. Uh, they don't charge your credit card or anything at the time. So it's like like getting early notice that they're gonna have this product available. Uh but it's fascinating concept. Let's say you need a kit for a couple of weeks. For $149? Where are you gonna rent an entire kit for several weeks on a time for that kind of price? It's mm. dirt cheap, relatively speaking. Now, again, but there's still things we gotta learn and, and it's and it's a monthly fixed rate, so if you don't have any kit checked out, they're still paying for it, right? So, you know, I typically will only rent something for a particular project, and then I maybe not need anything for a couple of months. So, you know, I don't know how that how well that works, but maybe it just gives you the opportunity. Say you want to test out the Sony A7S Mark II.
0: Now, Damn. are you locked in for a year on this or can you subscribe, unsubscribe and subscribe again?
1: Well, that's that's I don't believe you can do that. There wasn't anything in the FAQs about being locked in for a certain time frame, but I they'll kill themselves if they start allowing you to do Oh yeah. Hey, one month on and three months off the, that their whole model is that they want to have that continuous revenue stream coming in to be able to afford to have that much gear that they can send out.
0: That's uh, uh, so, about sixteen. Uh, yeah, so twelve times one hundred and fifty. I'd say roughly sixteen hundred bucks a year. A year. Yeah. That's, so I mean, it's fairly substantial in terms. But if you rent gear much, that's dirt cheap. That's true. Uh, I guess it depends on how you rent gear. If you have a right. local place that you can go to and, and get it physically, um, you might still. It'd be close, uh, but if you have to get it via mail order, then this does seem like a good deal. What is there uh, any beta selection up so you can kind of see what they've got for inventory? Yeah. No, and
1: that's part of the problem. There's there's not a whole lot of information at this point. Hmm. They when you when you go through the sign up process, you specify some things, your favorite kinds of gear, uh, whether you rent lighting, whether you rent lenses or accessories and, and stuff like that. So uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that information. There's just not enough info there to really totally understand. I did write them and, and try to open a dialogue because I want to know more, um, but we'll have to see. It's just, it's a very interesting concept. Uh, it might be great. It might really suck depending upon what your needs are. And again, like if you rent gear a lot, i mean if you if you could get a sony a7s to test for a month and it only cost you one hundred and forty nine dollars with a lens and 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 you know maybe a flash or something that that's very appealing, even for somebody like me who who runs a a blog I, you know getting that kind of gear to be able to use as long as I want because I, I mean I could get stuff from B and h, but they always want it back in two weeks yep. Um, so maybe I would, I would like to hold on to something longer in order to test it out really well. So maybe I kept something for two months.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like a bad deal. the The other thing I've seen that's similar to this is a co op uh, in several cities that I've I've worked in. You talk to some of the local filmmakers, and they all gang together with their little bits and pieces of equipment and sign up for a co op where everybody pays in a monthly subscription fee of like 30 or $40 a piece. And with that, the co-op as a group buys different equipment, funds different projects, and kind of moves forward with uh, different shooting schedules based on a committee vote of all the members of the co-op. And that is a... It's a very attractive model if it works. The problem I've seen with these co-ops, though, is uh, uh, sometimes one leader and another leader disagree, and you'll end up having... A breakdown in the entire system and model. Uh, The ones that work good together and have a good mix of people generally do okay. But you you end up having someone fighting with someone else, and they leave the co-op to start their own co-op. Well, now you've reduced the benefit of both co-ops because you don't have as much money to work with. Uh, This though, I, I like the idea. I'm a little nervous a about the selection, b about the quality kit. And sure. see, you know, uh, how do you unsubscribe? If you've ever signed up for any of these long-term, uh, sort of reoccurring fee monthly subscription systems, uh, I, I signed up for a box—or not box wine, but a, a wine club. It's called right. Club W, and it's very simple. You go on their website, you type in some stuff, and bam—you start receiving three bottles of wine from all over the United States and all over the world, you know, every month. But when you want to leave the program, <laughs> good luck. You're, you're going to be on hold for two hours. You're going to have to like call multiple times, send several emails. No way on their website whatsoever to unsubscribe. Uh, it is a veritable rat hole to try and find your way into yeah. their system in order to get out of said subscription. So, you know, I don't know. That would be my concern, I suppose. Sure. There's there's all sorts of unanswered questions. Uh,
1: we've we've I mean, heck, you can't even get onto the website and see what the inventory is, like you said, and and what what can I check out? How do I how do I say what I want to check out? None of that stuff works yet. So it's it's just an interesting concept. We'll have to see where it goes. Um, one of the other things, by the way, and I think we've talked about it before. There's a there's a website called Camera Lens, oh, yes. Uh, and it, I've I've tried to rent something on there. By the way, and and there there are some problems with stuff like that because, like with anything, uh, there was a a lens I wanted to rent this weekend, and there's only one available in St. Louis, and I can't get the gal that's renting it to answer my emails. You know, so I can't I can't get access to this lens that I was hoping to have this weekend because she won't respond. So. You know, there's problems with every system, and and I'm just curious to see where this parachute goes.
0: The camera lens actually here in Portland area it works rather well. I've I've used it to rent some audio kit. Have and you? Yeah, it's, it was it was a very painless transaction. You know, you contact the guy, and the guy's like, "Hey, I'll meet you on the corner or whatever and whatever," and like make the exchange and then, uh, you know, drop it off, uh, you know, this day. And it was really simple, really easy. Uh, The guy even came up and met me and we had a cup of coffee and kind of talked about what I was working on. And it it was friendly. I I enjoyed it. So, Uh, okay, now, now that I've been, I'm done being negative Nancy, let's (laughs) let's talk about some weird, goofy April Fool's stuff. Uh, Mitch, you posted this first one from uh, Magic Lantern. Uh, Tell me a little bit about this one.
1: I I I found it five minutes before the show started, so I don't know that much about it. It's it was posted on Facebook, um crop mode recording, one-to-one raw H264, outlandish stuff, and I I love the folks at, at uh Magic Lantern and, and Alex, who is the leader of the clan, is a fascinating guy because he does He doesn't just pimp you or chimp you uh, lightly. If you actually follow through and go to the website, uh, there is a video that he's created that's nine minutes long or six minutes long showing the features of this new setup for Magic Lantern. Go to the next one. You Scroll down to the next one. All
0: right. Uh... I mean,
1: this is this is a long post. Keep going. Holy Keep cow. going that video right there. This one right here. Yeah. It's... how long does it say? 9 minutes.
0: Yeah, we're talking well, 6 minutes and 33 six seconds, minutes. but yeah, he's scrolling through all the features. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. I, it's it's it, he really makes you think, "Holy
1: crap, this is real." Cuz I was looking at this and like there's there's settings and he's picking settings and the things changing and I to to be frank, I still don't know if it's an April Fool's joke or not.
0: Yeah, uh, I would say that's hardcore trolling, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I might be incorrect in that statement. He's just
1: damn good at it. And I was telling DJ before the show started, I love Alex, I've talked to him a couple of times, but he is so geeky. I mean, he is way beyond DJ geeky because he's like all excited about this new feature that's been added to Magic Lantern, and I'm like, dude, slow down. Everything you just said went 10 miles over my head. <laughs> uh-huh. How, I mean, I don't, I don't fathom what you're talking. Can you bring it down to my level? And he's like, oh, it's pulling teeth to get him to come down. Great guy. Love him to death, but man. It, and that's what makes these April fools jokes so good is because I, I can't tell whether he's telling me the truth or not. Cause it's, it's just way out there, everything they do.
0: Anyway, All right, this next one is less, uh, less uh, a fooling. Uh, <laughs> this company claims to have invented the ability to taste your food via your phone uh, by licking your phone, basically. So you'll see <laughs> here in a second they're, they're testing the phone, giving it a nice lick, and uh, that's how they're previewing restaurants. Uh, that one I thought was kind of fun. I, I got a good laugh out of that. And uh, these are all in the show notes here. Uh, There's probably a bunch more that are hitting the screen today. So if you're out there looking around, just remember it is April Fool's Day. So uh, there were a few a couple years ago and last year that were uh, pretty exciting for people who believed them about, uh, you know, turning your iPad into the perfect video monitor that plugs directly in your camera and, and things like that. So, you know, just uh, be cautious when you're looking through all this stuff because it is the day where they trick you, and you won't find out until tomorrow that you've been and, fooled.
1: And it, and it's it's unfortunately fairly sad. We we did an April Fool's joke on Planet 5D, not last year, but the year before that. That was written by I I forgot I forgotten who even wrote it. Um. And I have actually gotten letters in the last six months, maybe one or two, saying, whatever happened to that camera that was announced, and they specified the, the name, it was, I've forgotten, we called it the Canon 5XYZ something or other. But people, people even though we put at the bottom of the story, because I, I really dislike stories that don't actually say at the end, you know, April Fool's. <laughs> that, you know, I mean, it's fun. I mean, some people still don't know The Onion is fake, right? So, yeah. Because um, you you constantly see people posting something and, and you're like, oh, man, this is amazing. And then you see that it comes from The Onion and you're like, dude, did you know The Onion is, is a farce website? They they post <laughs> nothing but jokes. Really? Well, I didn't know that. Um, but so anyway, I still get every now and then an email saying, Hey, whatever happened to that Canon XYZ camera that the planet five D was the only place that I've ever seen anything. I'm like, it was an April fool's joke. And we said, so at the bottom, sorry, this is an April fool's joke, but people don't read that far.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I'm I don't know. I'm not I'm not gonna feed the April Fools fire. I'm gonna stay away from it. But uh besides the stuff that we did say was April Fools, the rest of this is all legit news. So uh, keep that in mind as you move forward. On that note, Mitch, where can people find you? Uh
1: I'm at a website called planet5d.com. You can find out some of my personal ramblings on planetmitch.com. And I'm Planet Mitch on Twitter and Planet Mitch on Facebook and Planet Mitch everywhere you
0: go. And of course, guys, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, anywhere podcasts are distributed. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell us what you think about the show. You can leave your questions in the YouTube comment section because that's a great place for me to easily scoop them up and throw them into the show notes. And thanks, as always, for listening and watching. I'm DJ, and you can find me at DSLRFilmNoob.com. And we will see you next time on another episode of April Fool's Podcast.